0: CHAPTER THREE OF NOTES ON THE BROADS AND RIVERS OF NORFOLK AND SUFFOLK BY HARRY BRITTON THIS LIBRIVOX RECORDING IS IN THE PUBLIC DOMAIN DIGRESSIONAL AND OTHERWISE DON'T FORGET, GEORGE, HE MUST KNOW THE ENTRANCE TO Southwold HARBOR THOROUGHLY AN AFFIRMATIVE WAVE OF THE HAND AND A SHOUT OF, ALL RIGHT, was the only reply my last reminder received as the jolly became lost in the maze of yachts and we turned down the pier with our bathing impedimenta slung across our shoulders this ambiguous dialogue requires explanation and as we walked towards pakefield to the bathing place i may as well say we propose sailing to southwold and as George did not know the coast so far, we decided on engaging a man who would be able to pilot us. Whilst on the whole we thoroughly enjoyed our bath, I must confess the shingle bruised, I don't think it actually cut, our feet terribly, and as we strolled back to the yacht, we made up our minds not to repeat the dose next morning good morning sir hope you enjoyed your constitutional were the words which greeted our return and the speaker whom george introduced as the man took the painter and made fast the dinghy as we stepped on board well do you know the way into southwold yes sir but i shan't risk taking you to my certain knowledge Three fishing boats have been shut up there for the last fortnight. This was rather a poser, as we very much reckoned on a long day outside, and I had made up my mind to look in at the little seaport as one item in the day's programme. Beg pardon, you'd better leave the dinghy behind and take my boat as well as me, suggested our new found friend i'll do the lot for a pound he added confidentially telling as this bait was evidently intended to be i didn't quite fall in with the idea although it was further supplemented by well though roughly drawn pictures of the ease with which we should be able to land in the larger craft it comes to this if we can't go ashore in our own jolly we'll stay on the yacht and i should like to start directly so the question of terms minus the boat was settled to the satisfaction of both parties and by nine o'clock we were under way with two reefs down in the sails william stone or billy hardname as the latest addition to the buttercup's crew facetiously called himself proved quite an original he had known lowestoft all his life and his opinion of the town somewhat resembled peggotty's idea of yarmouth and if he didn't exactly say it was upon the whole the finest place in the universe his description of the queen of eastern watering places was very highly painted. Although we had reduced our sail area by nearly half, we found we had quite enough canvas, as there was rather a heavy sea on. I should have said that before starting, we shifted several hundredweight of ballast to the stern sheets of the yacht, and the alteration entirely stopped the tendency she had shown the day before to dip. As we passed by Southwold, we found it utterly impossible to get in as the sea was breaking clean across the bar. Just inside the harbour, we could see the masts of the three imprisoned fishing boats Stone had spoken of before we started, and he didn't forget to draw our attention to this confirmation of his statement. Five miles below Southwold, THE LOFTY TOWER OF A RUINED CHURCH STANDS OUT VERY PROMINENTLY ON THE coastline. THESE RUINS, WHICH ARE ALL THAT REMAIN OF ALL-SAINTS' CHURCH, ARE AMONGST THE SURVIVING EVIDENCES OF THE GREATNESS OF Dunwich, ANCIENTLY THE CAPITAL OF EAST ANGLIA, AND WE DETERMINED ON MAKING A CLOSER INSPECTION. THE YACHT WAS SHOT INTO THE WIND, and beyond slightly drifting with the tide became stationary so jack and i embarked in the little dinghy and made for the shore landing was not by any means so difficult and dangerous a proceeding as billy hardname had predicted and we were scarcely splashed when after hauling the boat out of reach of the breakers we started along the path which leads up the steep sides of the lofty cliff when we reached the summit we turned to look at the buttercup which appeared very small as she stood away from land presently george who was standing on the stern sheets of the yacht became very excited and pointed to the beach at our feet looking down we saw but here my powers of description fall short and i confess myself at a loss to put into words the sight which met our eyes readers of ancient mythology may possibly remember the two or were there three damsels of the island of caprea in the mediterranean whose wonderful powers of vocalisation were so entrancing that any who sailed by became overcome by ecstasy and died well the three dunnage sirens who were disporting in soul bay were not quite so fascinating and we did not gently expire in the orthodox way to slow music but all the same we were temporarily allured by the enchantment of the view to which mayhap distance lent a helping hand tearing ourselves with difficulty from the sight of so much loveliness we turn to the more sombre relics of a bygone day as i have said before the church which crowns the brow of the cliff is or rather was dedicated to all saints the square tower is in a very fair state of preservation but of the nave of the church nothing remains but the bare walls we were much surprised to see the comparatively recent dates on some of the tombstones indicating that the churchyard had been used as a place of interment for many years subsequent to the ultimate disuse of the sacred edifice towards the end of the fifties of the last century according to lewis's topographical dictionary of england dunnage anciently contained more than fifty religious foundations including churches chapels priories and hospitals but successive encroachments of the ocean have reduced the former seat of a bishop's see to a village of two hundred and fifty inhabitants within a hundred yards or so of the edge of the cliff a wall encloses a large field and in the centre of this carefully guarded by an iron palisading there are some small portions of a ruin of course we scaled the wall in order to have a closer look and on the western side of the enclosure we found a gateway, evidently of monastic origin, looking on to a road. "'This is all very nice,' said John, "'but if we don't soon make a start, we shan't reach Lowestoft by nightfall.' Regaining the cliffs, we took a last look, and then commenced the descent to the beach, where, With the help of one of the lifeboatmen, we made a clean start in the dinghy. As for a considerable portion of the way back, we should have to contend with a headwind, we decided it would be best not to run any further south, so we commenced the return trip at once. Off Southwold, we again left the yacht for a small inland excursion, after strolling about the town for half an hour or so it suddenly occurred to me we ought to see the river inquiries of a woman we met elicited the astounding assertion we ain't got no river here after that i vote we make tracks for the buttercup said john independent of having only a short time before passed the channel which finds access to the sea between walberswick pronounced walserwig and southwold i was previously under the impression it was the mouth of the river blithe and i have since confirmed this wondering what in the world the native could have meant by her profession of ignorance we hastened down to the beach the old adage that too many cooks spoil the broth was never better instanced than in our embarkation in the dinghy at least half a dozen south rushed to lend a hand and no amount of rebuffs would induce them to desist when we were quite ready to make a start the foremost of these gave the dinghy a push just at the wrong moment and a wave almost swamped us john and i being drenched nearly to our waists the victoria steamer which runs on certain days from lowestoft was lying about a quarter of a mile from shore and just abreast of this we came up with lt497 THE WEATHERLY CAPABILITIES OF THE BUTTERCUP COMPARED WITH THE SMACK WERE VERY QUICKLY DEMONSTRATED AS WE DREW AWAY FROM HER ON EVERY TACK, SO MUCH SO, IN FACT, THAT WE SOON FORGOT THE CIRCUMSTANCE. MANY WHO READ THE NARRATIVE OF OUR TRIP WILL PROBABLY ASK WHAT DUNNAGE AND Southwold HAVE TO DO WITH THE BROADS AND RIVERS OF NORFOLK AND SUFFOLK and suggest that i have taken a wide departure from the subject indicated by my title so far as dunnage is concerned i admit this is correct but for the information of explorers of the waterways in the sister counties i ought to say that about two and a half miles as the crow flies north of southwold there is a large pool of about seventy acres in extent called eastern water and in connection with this a smaller lake named cove hythe broad about a mile and a quarter from the last named another lake designated benacre broad will be found which abounds in freshwater fish and covers over fifty acres all these waters are very near the beach and supposing the tourist has sailed so far in the yacht an excursion could be made in the dinghy which if a light one might be easily carried over the intervening sands and launched again i wish however to add that i am not in a position to say these broads are public but i do not suppose for a moment the riparian owners one of whom is an enthusiastic yachtsman would object to anyone taking a quiet row on them i hope some time in the coming summer to run down in the buttercup and just for the novelty of the thing explore these outlying items from the general district unfortunately we could not spare time on the present occasion besides which the sea was a great deal too rough for it to be safe to make the attempt but on stone's advice i climbed about halfway up the mast where i had a capital view of the first-named lake whether it was caused by the yacht pitching i don't know but somehow my foot caught in one of the hoops and when i wished to descend I could not extricate it. Seeing the difficulty, George came to my assistance and managed to free me, although it was at the cost of an awful pinch. Whilst Mays was waiting to give me a leg down, his cap went overboard, and notwithstanding that we offered to buy him a new one when we got into Lowestoft, he insisted on going about for it. The chase was neither a very long nor stern one, but we lost quite twenty minutes by this delay, and when we recovered the vagrant headgear, it was so saturated and beaten about as to be almost past recognition. We had now a strong tide running with us, but this meeting the wind, a very heavy sea resulted when off cove hythe ness we caught the full force of this and for a time i must confess i felt a little bit nervous as i had never been out in the buttercup with anything like such a sea running this soon wore off as i found to my great delight that my little boat took it beautifully riding over the waves as light as a cork Sometimes we were in a complete trough, and it seemed almost impossible for the yacht to clear herself. But in every case she rose superior to the contending elements, shaking herself free, almost like a thing of life. "'Shan't we swing into the harbour, by Jove?' "'Very sorry to disappoint you,' said Stone, as we went on to the port tack." I'm afraid we shall lose a lot of wind under Lowestoft ness. Smiling incredulously, Jack eased off the jib-sheet as the water came rushing along the plankways, and I shared with him in expressing our belief that it must be impossible. Those who live longest will see most, sententiously retorted the old salt. And to pay us for having dared to dissent from his opinion, henceforward he only deigned to reply in monosyllabic grunts. Passing Kessingland, the weather showed no signs of abating, and just to worry Stone, we commenced talking at him, and presently one of us asked where the calm would come in. You'll see, you'll see said he of the hard name and to our very great surprise when we beat past pakefield the sea was not nearly so rough even then we could scarcely have believed the entrance to lowestoft would be so utterly becalmed as it ultimately proved to be as we drew nearer and nearer on every tack to the piers it became evident it would be a close thing between the Buttercup and a Scotch fishing boat that was approaching from the north as to which should enter first. To our great disgust, when we were within fifty yards of the harbour, the Scotch boat got out some enormous sweeps and, thus propelled, easily got the start of us this move on their part was fraught with a greater loss of time to us than on first examination of the relative positions of the craft would have appeared possible it happened in this way we were on the starboard tack but had we kept on our course to which we had the right we should as it proved simply have run into the fishing boat amidships and have done her a great deal more damage than she could possibly have done us we ought perhaps to have remembered the adage which declares that business should have precedence of pleasure but it was not in the best mood that we at last gave way strange to say when for the second time we made for the harbour nearly every breath of wind seemed to have fallen away and the strong ebb tide then running out almost held us stationary at last we drew slowly in and by six o'clock had made all square and snug for the night since we had turned out in the morning one of our next-door neighbors the dorothy of the royal harridge yacht club had left and her place was occupied by the firebrand one of the beautiful new schooner bell cutters of the norfolk and suffolk yacht club perhaps i am a little bit keen on schooner bells as my own yacht is so built but i do think the form which her famous namesake introduced is infinitely prettier than the ordinary cutter stem during dinner our sailing master of the day gradually threw aside the, perhaps, natural ire he had shown at our stupid banter. Probably the fact that his prediction had been so literally fulfilled helped the thawing process, but I am inclined to believe, notwithstanding his assertions to the contrary, that some very heavy-looking storm-clouds had more to do with the sudden calm than the ness. In the evening, we went for another walk round the interesting town, and on returning to the pier, found a capital band playing. The stand on which the musicians were performing faces the yachting harbour, and as there was a great crowd in its immediate vicinity, we returned to the buttercup, where we could hear beautifully. better to enjoy the pleasure of listening to the lively strains i brought on deck a patent folding chair which belongs to the boat and which enables one to sit at any angle arranging this so low as to be more like a hammock than anything else i lay at my ease perfectly content with my surroundings gradually the music became less and less distinct, and I was very nearly in dreamland when John, who had been reading a book in the cabin, roused me by calling, ''Now then, skipper, don't you think you'd better come inside and start on your notebook?'' But I bothered the notes and didn't take his excellent advice until the band ceased playing at nine o'clock at the moment of writing this i have before me the rough diary of our cruise and the second day's entries are so indistinct that i must have been very nearly asleep before i finished as a specimen of what it is like i give the last four lines dinner over stroll on pier then round town and afterwards here again band playing back to yacht where we could hear lovely music so entrancing john soon became sleepy turned in at ten end of chapter three